Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple, follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing of God's Word. Today's scriptures from Matthew <clears throat> chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Then he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was many furlongs distant from the land beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately he spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Have no fear. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you, on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and called him, saying to him, O man of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Also read today from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. First, you know, I've, I've talked to teachers, I talk to kids, I talk to uh, my players all the time, and I always, in big crowds, put helmets and shoulder pads on the crowd. I'm not going to do that to y'all this morning. There's a lot of beautiful people here. But what I am going to do, I'm going to get myself comfortable. This is me on a Friday night. A lot of you have seen me on a Friday night, just like this. This is me. Like Ruth asked me to be, uh, Cameron, Cameron and Ruth asked me to do this. And this is not like Ruth asked me to be in a, a cantata or, or do a one-liner on Easter in the play. This is a big deal to me. Let me turn my mic on. See, I'm laughing. This, this is a huge deal to me. You know, when I was, when I was little and growing up in the church, and uh, 
People would run back to my grandma's church and tell her, your grandson, one day he's going to be a preacher. He, he, he just has it. But, you know, that's not where God led me. God led me to lead young men. God led me to, to try to pour passion into young men so that they're passionate about whatever it is they want to do in life. Cam, Cam asked me to, to pick a scripture. And our football team, you know, I know the law says we can't. But our football team, we speak on Galatians 6, 9 a lot. Don't grow weary in doing good. Because the moment you're tired of doing good, you're not going to get that. You're not going to reap the benefits. Continue to do good, and I'll talk about that in a second. Another one that stood out was Matthew 14, 22 through 33. You know, Peter stepped out on the water. He stepped out on the water in faith and faith alone. And that, that speaks volumes. How many times have we had an opportunity to step out on the water, but we didn't step? Because it's scary. You know, Peter got out on the water and he starts walking towards Jesus. He sees him. His eyes are on him and he's walking. And what starts to happen? The wind starts to blow. The waves start to get bigger. He takes his eyes off of who? And he starts to sink. He starts to sink. In our lives, that, that tells a big story for us. You know, when you take your eyes off Jesus just for that second, distractions of the world, they get to you. You start to sink. And the only way you can be pulled back up is by calling out to who? Jesus. You know, calling, calling to him. He's always there. No matter what distractions we allow in our lives, he's there to pull us back up. And uh, the words he said, they stuck out to me. And, you know, I had this prepared Friday night. I practiced in front of Jordan. That's how I do. I like to practice first. But, you know, last night going back over this, these words stood out to me. You of little faith, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Why do we doubt Jesus? You know, that's the question we got to ask ourselves. So my coaches and I, we did a book study this, this uh, season, the whole season. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm not fond of reading. I don't really like to read. It's not about sports or anything I don't like to read. But we read a book called Lead for God's Sake. And you talk about 11 grown men who got, who got shook by this book calling each other. They're calling me mad at me because they're crying reading the book. You, the, the book speaks volumes, and I got a few in the house today that would tell you that's the truth. Uh, and you know, the book hit me in ways I hadn't been hit. I'd read the book before. I'd been given this book a few years back when I was going through a tough time in my life, but I didn't read it when intent. I was reading it because, you know, somebody gave it to me. I was trying to do the right thing and, and read this book. This time I really read this book with the intent of what is, what is God saying to me? I took a coaching job. I took the Bassett job after coaching at Magna Vista for so long. And I don't know if any of you remember, Cameron asked me to write a newsletter about three years ago. After Magna Vista, well, four years ago maybe. Magna Vista, we just won our first state title. He wanted me to write a newsletter, Faith in Football. And in that newsletter, as I is sitting on my mantle in my office at the house, the newsletter, I talk about how empty I felt after we won the state title. Because kid, guys were leaving our program and not going to do anything with their life. My whole life I've been taught to win. You win at all costs. You, be, you are a winner. So winning was everything in that stage of my coaching in life. 
But when we got to the top of that mountain, the first team in this area to ever win a state title, I felt empty. I was happy for the guys. I was happy for the coaches around me because a lot of work goes into doing that. But it had to be something more. The next year, we win the state title again. Same feeling. Yes, I'm joyous. I'm happy on that day. Happy on that day. But still empty. I didn't get the full feeling after a win as a coach until the Smith River Classic this year. And it's not because of I got to go back to Magna Vista and we beat Magna Vista. A lot of people made it out to be me versus them or us versus them, a rivalry. It was nothing to do with that. It was everything to do with the work that my kids and the coaches put in to this, this thing we call a game, football, that I'm trying to preach life. So I took, took the Bassett job, and somebody said to me, Brandon, keep faith first, family second, football third. You know, I said amen too. I said amen too because I was like, you know, I've seen a lot of coaches go astray. I myself have, have, have been there. Faith, family, football. So when it's time for faith, you be there. On Sundays, you be there. When you're at the dinner table, you say your prayer. We're teaching our kids to pray before they eat. You be there. When it's time for family, now you be there. But you know what gets lost in a tiered notion? That when you're, when you're doing something that's, that, that Jesus is in, like being in church or praying at the table, and then you come to your family, you tend to forget to bring what with you? Faith with you. And then when I'm on the football field coaching those seven years I was coaching as an assistant, you know what I forgot to bring with me? Faith. So reading this book, it talks about aligning your faith through all you do. You don't have to tear faith family football if you put faith in your family, faith in football, faith in your walk with Christ in everything you do. You don't have to, show, you don't have to tell people about your, your God or your, your, or your faith. They see it. They see it through how you walk your life. They see it. So we talked as a coaching staff about how do we align our faith in everyday life? Because that's hard. That's hard. So I got a clip. I'm a coach, true coach form. I wanted to show film to you all today. <laughs> so, you know, uh, if we could take that back, if you hold the left arrow all down, it'll take it all the way back to the beginning, Jay. Can we dim the lights a little bit? And it doesn't matter if it doesn't. If you hit the down arrow, let's see where it's. Stop right there. We're, we're fine. So, yeah. So when the play starts, the guys are lined up. They're lined up right. Everybody's in the right spot when the play starts. In our life, when we wake up in the morning and our feet touch the ground and we say that prayer to our God, we're in the right spot. We're lined up right. We have faith. We're aligned. We're good. Everything is great. Stop. So right here, the, the, the arrow before, the scene you've seen before where it says distractions. On the football field, we build in distractions. 
to make the defense do something we want them to do, and we counter off of that. You build in distractions. Who distracts us every day of our life? Satan. That's a built-in distraction that when we set our feet on the ground, we know something's going to hit us on that day that is a distraction. Going to take us away from our God. Take us away from who we are as Christians. That happens. It happens to everybody sitting in here because we all fall short of being perfect. We're never going to be that way. That's what I tell my guys. You're not going to be perfect. This kid right here that's highlighted, his job was to stay on the outside. We spend four days of practice. Anybody ever coached in here, you know what I'm talking about here. You spend four days of telling the kid, you do this. Don't do this. He wants to make a play, though. He wants to make a play. How many times in our life do we put me before we? This kid wants to make a play because the world tells us in, in that success comes off of numbers in sports. Your stats. Our young men have, have to, they go to college based on how well they perform. It's hard for them to wrap their minds around we when society tells us it should be about me. Paul says in Romans, do not conform to the patterns of the world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When this happens, you'll be able to see God's will for you. So as a coach, and what we try to do as coaches, we try to get our guys to see the bigger picture. In life, there's a bigger picture. It's not about us. How many times on on your job have you thought or felt sorry for yourself, I could be doing more? Or as laity in the church, you know, when I got asked to do this, I told Jordan, I'm not the one to do this because I miss out on church functions. Because I have other things I'm doing and, and I, 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 I make excuses. I can't make it work. You know, I got so much going on. I don't want to take away from something. You know, I make excuses. But, and, and this is why it's, all, it's always good to have a strong woman on your side, fellas. She looked at me and she said just, and didn't blink an eye. She said, Brandon, what you're doing for those boys and what you do at that school and what you do at everyday life, you're shining the light of your church. You're being that laity member that you need to be. You know, we get caught up in, you know, we have to be at this function. We have to do this. We have to do that. I'm going to show my face at the church. And that, that's all I got to do. I used to think church was just Sunday. My, a, a lot of my life, church was just on Sunday. Monday through Saturday, I could do whatever I wanted to. I could, I could uh, fall to the distractions of the world. A lot of us in here have done that, and we still do. We still do. So this kid wanted to make a play. Go ahead, Jay. In wanting to make a play, he makes a mistake. He gets caught by a distraction. And in life, when we get caught by distractions, we allow the devil to win. He wins that battle. He wins that battle. And when he makes the mistake, his reaction to make a mistake is one that a coach cannot stand. He puts his head down and he jogs. He feels sorry for himself. But football and life in my world go hand in hand. We make mistakes. 
And what do we begin to do? We pout. We start to make excuses on why that mistake happened. We start to beat ourselves up. We start to, start to feel sorry for, for the mistakes that we've made. And through all of that cloudiness, the mistakes that we've made and feeling sorry, we end up crashing. We end up letting Satan win more battles and more battles because we're too busy feeling sorry about the first mistake that we made. I've been there. Every time I talk to a crowd, I talk from experience. I talk from how I feel and what I've done in my life and what I've seen around me. And I know a lot of you can relate. When you make a mistake and you, you jog, you're going to see what happens. So the fastest kid on my football team made the mistake and didn't sprint. And this is what happened. First play of the game, our last game of the season, first play of the game, a touchdown was scored on the defense. I think it was around 80 yards. First play of the game. So this kid, he comes to the sideline, and I have my headset on. And if you've ever seen me coach, this is a new headset, so I couldn't do what I really wanted to do with it, okay? <laughs> I take it off, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm angry. Y'all know God feels that way sometimes about what, the mistakes that we make? Because guess what? On Sundays, he's telling us what the world is about to do to us. And we still go out into the world and get distracted. Because we know we can come back and repent. You know, God gave the ultimate sacrifice when he sent Jesus here for us. And he got on that cross for us and, and took all the pain and suffering for us. So that when we made mistakes, we could fix it. All the coaches here have heard me say it, and they, they say it too. Fix it. So this kid comes to the sideline. I put my arm around him. I don't choke him. I want to, but I, ah, <laughs> you know. And, and I'm going to give you the nice version. Son, you, you can do better, okay? You, 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 you fix it next time. Noah, Marshall, is that how I approach it? <laughs> you can do better. Fix it next time. That's my message. How I, how I deliver the message depends on the kids that I'm dealing with because that's called relationships. How God talks to you depends on the relationship he has with you and the relationship you have with him. Sometimes it's harder than, uh, than other times. You know, I feel like God, God talks to me real hard at times. He smacks me right in the face with what he wants me to see. He really does. That's how I take a message. That's how my mama done me growing up. It wasn't soft. <laughs> You know, so, so he comes to the sideline, and I let him know, you get a chance to fix it. So that was play six of the game. This is play 88, 82 plays later in a football game. 82 plays later, we line up the exact same alignment. We are right. So I'm on the headset talking to my eyes in the sky that can see more than me. He can see the whole field. I can only see from field level. Y'all know we got a headset on every day? It's called your conscience. You know who speaks to you and your conscience every day? The eyes in the sky. Every day. He speaks to you through your headset. And he lays something on your conscience that either sits great or doesn't sit too good. You know, and... I hear a lot of people say, you know, I hope I don't step on your toes. 
But what God does when he speaks to your conscience, he's trying to step on your heart. Skip the toes. I'm trying to lay this message on your heart. So when we get a chance to redeem ourselves, we're aligned right. And the play starts. I got one guy who took the wrong read step. The last play, you didn't get to see it, but seven guys did the wrong thing because they got distracted, whether it was by excitement on play one or, you know, their nerves get to them and they just want to make a play. They want to make coach happy. We want to make the Lord happy. But sometimes in making the Lord happy, we get lost in what the devil is doing, really doing to us. God doesn't ask for us to do but so much. He doesn't want a whole lot out of us. Walk your walk. Walk your walk. Walk the walk that he's laid out for you. And that's hard to see sometimes. In football, we get distracted. One player makes one quick wrong step. And that's me being nitpicky. My players will tell you I'm very nitpicky. Go ahead, Jay. That kid corrects himself. And then my kid who on the last time was supposed to stay on the outside, he's completing his responsibility this time. He's complete. 82 plays later. He's completing his responsibility from play six, the first defensive play of the game. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Do we always, when we're given a second chance, do what we're supposed to do? No. But you know what? You know what the, the good thing about being a Christian and, and, and knowing, knowing my God and knowing that if we don't do what we're supposed to do the second time, what's he oftentimes give us? Another chance. And another chance, and another chance, because he has faith that we're going to get it right. In coaching, in coaching, a lot of you all see what goes on on Friday nights, right? We see what goes on on Friday. We don't see Monday through Thursday and the lives that these kids have to live Monday through Thursday and all that's going on in their lives, coaches' lives. We just see the product on the field. The product on the field, in my opinion, is the direct correlation of the head coach as laity members and what we do for our church and how we shine the light on our church is direct correlation on our head coach our pastor and the last few years have been awesome and I tell him that all the time it's been awesome we're shining the light into the world and we have a responsibility to walk a Christian walk and shine that light he completes his responsibility right now. Now, let's see if he finishes, because finishing is the hard part in football. You can do the right thing. In life, you can do the right thing, but finishing is the hard part. Let's see if he finishes. We didn't make the same mistake twice, and you know I was going to wrap it up with all in at the end, but a lot of you see on the front of your, uh, the, the, the bulletin, all in. February 2nd. I took the job at Bassett 2017, a date that I will never forget. And I looked at I was in an auditorium full of, full of boys. I knew all of them, just some of them wanted to skip class and just come see who this guy was. Some of them was checking me out because I was coming from Magna Vista, and they, they didn't know if they really wanted me there. Let's be honest. But I, I, I told them, and I made a promise to them, we're going to do things the right way, and we're going to be all in. All in is all in in what you do in school. All in is what you, what you do for your parents at home. All in, and I was being very politically correct when I said this, 
All in is giving your all to whatever higher power you serve. And in knowing my guys now, I know the, the higher power they serve. I have a Christian-led football team. Not led by me, but led by my players. So when we say all in, we mean we're going to give all we got to the task at hand. We're going to be all in for that moment. These guys were all in the next time this team threw that distraction at us. The next time the devil throws a distraction at you, all in. I'm all in. My head coach tells me this is how I handle it. And that Bible that's in your pew sitting beside you, that's your playbook. That's the ultimate playbook. That's the undefeated playbook. The playbook that scares the devil more than anything. Because he knows he has nothing that can counter that. If you stick to the script. So let's see if we finish. Not one player finishes, but two people come get in on that. So, Jay, you can stop it. So they make a play. They make a play. The first play we were trying to make somebody else's play. Maybe somebody has a role in the church that maybe you think you're best fit for. Or you, 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 don't, you don't really like your role. But you of little faith, why do you doubt? It's God's plan, not ours. I have conversations a lot. Me and Jordan, we talk about different things, and I have conversations with different people. And, and you know, I can speak from personal experience, being in a school system. You hear a lot of complaining. So I, I assume it has kids are bad. Place, every job, you're in the teacher's lounge, and these kids are bad. <laughs> and we've all done it. Why? Why? I, I don't even know why I'm teaching. They don't listen. I, sh I could be making more money. Uh, the world tells me success is defined by the amount of money we make. I should be making more money. You know what? I could have a bigger house, a nicer car. I could have all these things that the world tells me is successful. I can win state championships and be put on the front of the paper and have a big trophy. The world says that is success. God doesn't. My head coach doesn't say that's success. Making the most of where he has you right now in your life, now that's success. Are you pouring into those kids as much as you possibly can? So when I ask a teacher, why are you always asking or mad about what the kids aren't doing for you? Let me ask you this. What are you doing for them? It's more than a book. It's more than a pencil. It's more than a paper. It's more than a test. So in my personal experiences, if a kid calls me at 12 o'clock at night, he needs me to come pick him up because he's not in a good situation. Guess what Coach Johnson's going to do? Jordan, I'll be back. If a kid needs a place to live, guess what Coach Johnson's going to do? Hey, baby, we're going to have to clean the basement. <laughs> because as leaders and as laity, we all are leaders. When you walk out into this world, you are an influence. I don't care how small or how big, we all have an influence. Embrace your influence for what it is, not for what you want it to be, but for what it is. Touch the people you want to touch. 
because everybody's watching. Everybody. What you show the world is their perception. So if you're all the time getting distracted, guess what the people around you are thinking? Mm-hmm, he can be in church on Sunday, but look what he's doing Monday through Saturday. I don't want to go to a church like that. You know, I stayed away from church for a long time, high school through college. And, I, and here's my excuse. A lot of hypocrites. That was my excuse. Me and my grandma talked about it. I sat with my grandma, and we, we had these conversations, and, I, and she knew I wasn't going to church. She didn't like it. But she also always told me those that are raised in the church will always find their way back. So when you align your faith with your whole life, you understand you can ask for forgiveness and you can make the right decisions when those distractions come your way the next time. So when I told her, well, Grandma, I'm not going to church because people in church lie. She said people everywhere lie, son. She said, you don't go to church for people. You go to church for your heart. So a lot of times we can complain about what's going on around us. We can have this attitude of just wait until. You know, I'll, I'll do this, but I just, just wait until I get this done. Or, you know, I, I want to be, I'm tired of being an assistant coach. Just wait until I get a head coaching job. I'm going to make this call. Just, just wait until I'm able to, to, uh, to do this certain thing in the church. Just wait until I'll be back at church. Just wait until we get another pastor, you know. <laughs> Y'all do realize that the body of the church is us. Is us. In Corinthians, Paul writes, the body can't function if it loses another body part. If we were all one big eye, what would do the hearing for us? What would do the tasting? What would do the touching? If I lost my right arm right now, my whole life would change. My body would be different. There'd be an, Im- an imbalance. Everybody sitting in this room makes up the church. Where two gather, where two or more gather, Jesus is in the midst. This, the, the walls don't make the church. The bricks, the floor, the pews, how pretty everything is, that does not make the church. The people in the church make the church. The laity make the church. If you come to church for the right reason, God's will, and what he's putting on your heart, then the church is always going to prosper. It's always going to prosper. But if we allow excuses, if we allow distractions, If we allow all these things when we're stepping out on that water following Jesus and and stepping on that water, if we allow the waves of life to take our head off of what we really need to be looking at, we're going to do what? We're going to sink. You're going to sink. So I was told I didn't have a lot of time. I could go forever. Y'all know that. But I did want to end with this. You know, we, we, we talk about all in. And, you know, it's a motto many football teams use. You know, Scott knows. Clemson uses all in. Dabo Sweeney walks it. There's a reason he is who he is. All in is more than just a motto to us. It's a lifestyle. 
be all in for our Father. Because guess what we all share? We, none of us look alike. We're different races. We're different shades. We have some different core beliefs. Some of us agree with one thing. Some of us agree with another. But at the end of the day, we all have the same Father. A Father who would want us to come together and settle differences as humans. So being a part of a church, being the body of a church, we have a responsibility to serve our Father. Don't make excuses for what you don't have or what you wish you had or what you wish things would be like. Accept where God has you right now in your walk and make the most of it. So in true Bassett form, we're going to end the way we end every practice, the way we end every game, every, every time we're together. And can I get my two guys come up here? Y'all come up here. Come on. Come on. I hate to put them on the spot, but I want something about these two young men. They've been two leaders for me for two years. I get to see them graduate and go off into life and be young men and do something positive. And I know they will. And there's, there's many more to come, but the first, when I took the Bassett job, these two grabbed me, and they became leaders. So we lead every day. We, we end every day. I, I give three calls. I say, what's our call? Three times. After each time, they say all in. All in for school, that's where they're at in their life. All in for doing what they need to do at home, doing right by their parents, that's where they're at in their life. And all in for the father that they both serve in their everyday walk. And they say all in three times. So as a body, can we all stand? I'm going to say what's our call, and you're going to say all in. I don't care how loud or how low you say it. Because saying it means that you are saying I'm all in. Y'all ready? You know how we say it. What's our call? All in. What's our call? All in. What's our call? All in. And I always end with a message, and I tell them, on one, you're going to say all in, and you're going to say it with everything you got. You're going you're gonna to scream so loud that it shakes the devil under you. <laughs> and you're going to mean it. So on one, three, two, one. All in. Thank y'all.